better known as Resurrection Sunday, for those of us that believe in the resurrected Lord. Amen? I'm going to preach to you today about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, because there's power in the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. Amen? So take, if you have your Bible, if you have an electronic device, however you read the Word of God, turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 14. We're going to let any youth, any students in the room, junior high and high school, follow Mr. Mike, Miss Jackie um, for class. Anybody going with them? Go with them right there. Okay, looks like they're already primarily there. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 14. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been risen from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Let me pray. Lord, bless this word today. Help me just to to speak to the wonderful people here in this room. Holy Spirit, use me today to to convey what's in your heart, to to help us grow closer to you and to realize the power that comes in the name of Jesus. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I didn't turn around and look. How many first-time guests do we have today? Just give me a... Wow. Man, we're glad that you're here. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for coming. not doing that to embarrass you. I just... Hopefully, I got a chance to shake most of your hands. If not, I hope you stay around and eat some barbecue with us. Everybody wants to eat, right? Yeah. Yeah, we all like to eat. Easter Sunday, or as Christians refer to it, Resurrection Day, is the most important day on the calendar. Because if there is no resurrection, then all of my preaching, all of the countless hours that I've spent committing to kingdom work, All the books I've read, especially the Bible. All the people that the Lord has helped me to to help in my lifetime. All the times that I have trusted in the resurrection to bring me hope and faith and joy has been a complete waste of time. It's funny, though. I know without a shadow of a doubt that I have not been wasting my time. I know that I have seen countless people give their lives to a risen Savior who've been healed, delivered, given hope, joy, peace, to be able to dream again. Too many miracles have I seen with my own two eyes to not know that there is a resurrected Savior. My life is anything but empty today. As a matter of fact, it's fuller today than it ever was before Christ. Or as the scripture says, it's abundant. I love this. I didn't give it to Andrew, but because it's in the Amplified, John 10.10. We know that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But here's what Jesus says. He says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the the full till it overflows. That is a picture of my life. 
That is a picture of many of the lives that are in this room right now who have given their heart to Jesus Christ, who have said, I'll follow you, Lord. I believe in a resurrected Savior. And it did something to each one of us, which we're going to talk a lot more about this morning, but it replaced that empty spot in my heart that I tried to replace with everything else. Lavish living, drugs, alcohol, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Come on, somebody. This is Grapevine Fellowship. That's how we tell it here. <laughs> and everything I tried to put in my system or in my spirit or, or trying to fall in love because, well, we'll keep it G-rated. Was filled by Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're still skeptical, that's okay. Uh, there's lots of books that are written, a few that I would recommend to you. Lee Strobel's A Case for Christ. If you don't read, go watch the movie. It was just released. Great book. Lee Strobel was a man who was trying to disprove, discount the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And through all of his work, he found that it's too true. The prophecies were all fulfilled. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. It's a great book. Great movie. I have... My mom saw it, but I didn't go see it. Miss Teresa, you saw it. They're all, I got everybody working today, so you could have a seat. There's other books, uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell and, and C.S. Lewis, uh, Mere Christianity. Those are great books. If you're skeptical, listen, you deserve it. If you are skeptical, if you're not sure, you owe it to yourself to find the truth. Because if I'm wrong... All I've done is waste my time with good living. <laughs> and helping a lot of people. I don't know that that's exactly a waste of time. But if you're wrong, that's a whole other story altogether. <laughs> if you're skeptical, you better be right. If I'm wrong, well, I had a good life here. I, I'm not wrong. You have the right to be wrong, by the way. Here's my key text this morning, okay? Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 says this, that I may know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. So, so here's a rhetorical question for you to get started this morning. What if, what if Jesus really did rise from the grave? What if, what if we can know him in the power of that resurrection? That's what I want to talk to you today about, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I want to talk to you a little bit about encounters that I see throughout the Word of God. When we personally encounter the resurrection of Jesus, listen, everything changes. Thank you, Miss Viola. For me and Miss Viola, it changed. When I encountered, and you're going to see a whole lot more testimony here in just a few minutes of changed lives. But let's talk about this, okay? Real quick, if you have your bulletin, it's simple today. The first one is Sunday morning joy. Sunday morning joy. We're going to talk about the Marys, all right? Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read to you a few verses and then, and then just expound it a little bit. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. 
His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you so. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And they went to tell his disciples, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by, held him by the feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. These ladies, the Marys, they came to the tomb weeping, mourning, grieving, and afraid. Have you come this morning lost or broken or afraid, hurting? Maybe you have questions. Maybe you have questions about some of the things I've already expressed this morning. But I'll tell you this, you came. My Bible tells me that no one comes unless the Spirit of God draws them. So maybe you were invited by a friend, but the Holy Spirit used that friend in your life. And you're here this morning because God has a word for you. And he wants you to know that if you're hurting, if you're broken, if you're lost, if you're desperate, if you're out of control like I was, if you don't know which way is up and you don't know how to meet ends, you're in the right place this morning. Amen. You've come to the right place today. Oh, you'll get a hot dog in a few minutes, but you're going to get a whole lot more than that right now. So the ladies came. After they had counted his resurrected power, the Bible says in verse 8 that they were filled with great joy. You know, the Lord has really been opening my eyes to this lately. The more I look at our community and people on our streets, the thing that I see missing the most in their life is joy. Now, we can talk about the addict. We can talk about the homeless. We can talk about those who are struggling with, with abuse. But I'm talking about in general. People overall, Satan has come and stole our joy, even in the house of God. It's something that I find myself fighting for, to hold on to, because it, ask my church. I'm a funny guy. Yeah. Miss Viola is my only witness today. <laughs> Maybe I'm not as funny as I thought I was. <laughs> and I find myself at times fighting for that joy. Right away, the Bible says that they went and told other people about the good news of Jesus Christ. See, when you have the resurrection power, the encounter with the Lord, uh, right away, you want to tell people about it. You can't, you can't, excuse my language, you can't shut up about it. I can't stop talking about Jesus and what he's done for my life. I can't tell people, see, that's pretty much how it usually comes out. Check it out. I can't stop telling people about what he's done for me. Here's the Christian journey as I see it, okay? We come hurting, we get help, and then we help others. Keep it simple, right? All right, here's the next one. 
Number two, hope and forgiveness. Let's talk about Peter and John for a minute. John 20, verses 1 through 8. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Let me stop here, because when I was reading this, I love this. This is like me writing. I tell people all the time I'm God's favorite. So if you don't know, John's writing the book, and he's all, yeah, and the, and the other disciple that Jesus loved, he's talking about himself. <laughs> I get a kick out of that. John's like, yeah, you know, you know Peter and the other guy that Jesus really loved. That's what I tell people. I'm God's favorite. You can be his second favorite, but it's like I would be writing this book. Let me start again, verse 2. So then they ran and came to Simon Peter, the the other, and the other disciple whom Jesus loved said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they ran together, and the, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw, and he believed. Before Jesus died on the cross, if you know anything about the Bible, it says that Peter denied him. You might know the story that the the rooster crowed three times because Peter denied knowing Jesus and he even used some foul language and, and, and just kind of, and I think about that. I think about how the Bible also says how he wept bitterly when he realized what he was doing. You know, we just, we just celebrated Good Friday here, Friday night. We had an intimate communion service and it was a weep fest. It was a weep fest because I realized I'm the one that put him on that cross. While I was still a sinner, Jesus died for me. While I was still punching him in the face and spitting on him and, and, and poking him and, and, and blaspheming him, he died for me. I find it interesting that in this account, the Bible says that the people ran to Jesus. I wonder if you're here today and you just need to run to Jesus. I wonder if you're here today and you just need a touch from the Lord. You need to be healed. Your heart needs to be free. You know, I just feel like I need to say right now that I feel like we need to come against depression right now. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but there's somebody here that struggles with depression, and I feel like the Lord just wants to set you free. The Bible says that weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Hold on, sister, because your joy's coming. Hmm. Joy. Unspeakable and full of glory. Joy. It's the joy that only Jesus can give. It's the kind of joy that that begins in the place of peace. And right now I just speak peace over your heart. I feel like life has been anything but peaceful for you. Jesus right now is speaking peace over your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is that okay? 
so they ran after Jesus. They ran to him. They ran to the tomb, feeling as hopeless as anybody has ever felt. Their king, their savior, has been put in a tomb. I think it's funny, too, that in both these accounts, after they came to the place and found the stone rolled away and Jesus missing, the Bible says that they all ran. (laughs) Not for fear, but for excitement and expectation. They ran. Jesus is alive. I've got to tell somebody. I've got to tell the disciples. I've I got to go tell Simon. I've got to tell the guy that Jesus loved the most, Pastor Ron. <laughs> and they ran, and they ran, and they ran. And I love how John said, and I outran that guy. The disciple who he loved outran Peter. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but that's how I'd write it too. You know what I'm saying? So now there's great joy and there's expectation of forgiveness of sins. Because Jesus said, Look, if I die, I will raise in three days. And that's how your sins are going to be repented for. It must, I must go. I must do this thing. And it's for you. Listen, the resurrection is for you. It's not for Jesus. It's for me. He set me free. Here's the third thing. Peace and power. The resurrection brings us peace and power. Let's talk about the disciples. John chapter 20, 19 through 21. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut or the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So the disciples are hiding. They're scared. And I believe that's a perfect picture of the world today. We hide within ourselves. Oh, no, we stand out like we're macho and we'll puff out our chest. We'll put on our best clothes. But inside, we're hiding. If anybody knows the real me. If anybody knows what's really going on in my mind, if anybody knows what I'm doing when nobody's looking, they were afraid because of the things going on in the world. It's hard to live in this world, isn't it? It's hard to do the right thing today. The lines are getting, what is the right thing? Can I tell you where to find it? Jesus came and he spoke peace to them. Matter of fact, we talked about this the other night a little bit. In Isaiah 53, the Bible says that Jesus said, the Bible says that the punishment for our peace was on him. Do you realize that Jesus took a beating so that you could have peace, sister? So that you could have peace. See, peace isn't something you have to fight for. He's just giving it to us. It's up to us if we'll take it. It's up to us if we'll receive it. 
I always thought I had to fight for peace. I always thought I had to fight for joy. I always thought I had to fight for hope. I always thought I had to fight for these things. And they all happened on the cross. Jesus fulfilled it on the cross. The disciples were mourning and weeping, and they didn't believe that he was alive. They had lost hope, and we live in a world where people are losing hope. They don't know. They don't know that there's a Jesus. They don't know what's going to happen. They, they just know that this world is spiraling out of control. Man, we could go to war with North Korea, China. I don't even know. And to be honest with you, I care, but it doesn't really matter in light of eternity. What's going to happen is going to happen, and it's all been foretold. So if things get a little bit worse, trust me, you've been warned. You've been warned. It wasn't until they encountered the resurrected power that everything changed. It wasn't they were scared in that room. They were hiding out, and, the, and then Jesus showed up. And, man, all of a sudden, listen, for 20 years, I've had every day, all of a sudden... For 20 years, I gave my life to Jesus Christ 20 years ago. And every day I wake up, all of a sudden, I'm a new man. I'm not the guy I used to be, amen? I'm not scrounging through the carpet looking for crack anymore. I'm not ripping off my mama so I can go buy some booze. <laughs> Listen, we, what we need to remember here in this story is that these guys were his family and his friends. They were his disciples. So you know what that tells me? Maybe, just maybe, there's something in this resurrection power for everybody in this room. Not just those who may not know Jesus. As much. Maybe there's something in it for me, pastoring for 20 years. Maybe there's something that I can understand and learn about the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Sometimes I still get afraid. Sometimes I told you I fight for my peace, and sometimes I don't know or, or my joy, and sometimes I don't have the peace that I need. Hmm. Listen, to know Jesus isn't enough. Even the demons know and believe and tremble. We need to know him in the power of his resurrection. All the disciples but one. Except for Judas, we won't talk about Judas. The remaining 11 disciples but one were all martyred for their faith. Every one of them died. I think there's something to be said about the power of Jesus Christ. Listen, let me ask you a question. You've heard this question before. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Uh, I don't mean your bumper sticker. I don't mean your T-shirt that you bought in the 20s, or in, excuse me, in the 70s. 20s, wow. I meant to say 20 years ago. That's more than the 70s. But. That's more than 20 years ago. After these people, they encountered the resurrected Jesus. They experienced hope and, and joy and forgiveness and peace and power. And their lives were changed forever. So what? What's the point, Pastor Ron? What, what is all this about today? Listen, because Jesus died and rose again, we can encounter, encounter the same power 
We can encounter the resurrected power of Jesus. Some of you have already have this morning, and I believe Jesus isn't done. He's got some things he wants to do in your life. Do you know Jesus in that power? Do you know him that way? Or do you just know his name? Do you say, hey, I know Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I gave my life to him. Okay, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But do you know him in the power of his resurrection? Are you living free? Are you still in bondage? Jesus wants to make you free. Too many people are stuck in Good Friday. There's still churches that have Jesus hung on the cross still. He's not there anymore, people. And he's not in the tomb anymore. God wants to take our old broken lives and make all things new. Are you a sinner? He died on the cross to pay your price so that your sins would be forgiven. Are you depressed? He wants to give you joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Are you sick? He wants to heal your disease. By his stripes, we are healed. Come to Jesus. All you who are weary and heavy laden, you will find rest for your souls. December 15th, 1997, I encountered the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. Coming up on 20 years. I've been living for not as long as a lot of you, huh? Long enough to get free from a whole bunch of stupid stuff. I came from a broken, dysfunctional home. My daddy was an alcoholic, and I embraced that lifestyle. By ninth grade, I was drinking alcoholically. I was delivered. Amen. Seven DUIs, seven rehabilitation programs, foster care, halfway houses, homelessness, hospitals, institutions, very close to death. I'm not telling you all this to build my story. To matter of fact, some of you I might even lose some respect of, but it's who I am. It's what God brought me from. I was in broken relationships all the time. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I was hopeless. I, I felt I would be just like my dad. And guess what? I was. For a minute. And I got healed. And I was accepted by my heavenly father. See, my dad told me things like, well, I never heard him tell me that he loves me. He never put his arms around me and gave me a hug, ever that I remember. And I, get, I got to hear things like, you're an accident. You should have never happened. From my own dad. But when I met Jesus, when I met God the Father, I felt accepted. I felt loved. I felt like I had purpose. I felt like I had hope again. I finally found what real love was like wasn't climbing into the sheets with all those people. That wasn't love. It was laying down my life. Watching people that cared about me minister to me. Tell, you how, tell me how valuable I was to the kingdom. So everybody in this room is valuable to the kingdom. God has a purpose and a plan for everybody in this room. 
changed my life. And he'll change yours too. But not only did he change my life, there are literally hundreds of people in this church whose life he's changed. I want you to pay attention to what's going to happen right now.
Hallelujah. your story what has the Lord done for you what do you need the Lord to do for you listen your deepest darkest secret your most vicious struggle on life Jesus wants to make into a testimony I'm going to change the way I'm in this sorry guys but you were here Friday night, you heard this already. But the Lord just changed the end of this sermon for me. I'm going to tell you a story that I read about a missionary. Someone who traveled into remote villages. And he went into one that was rarely visited by outsiders. And they were living as their ancestors did. And the people were fascinated by motor vehicles and electricity and all those things that we take for granted. The missionaries brought in a generator and a projector to show the film strip of Jesus Christ. They invited all the villagers to come, and stretching a white sheet across the largest hut in the complex, they were prepared for the evening program. The people were just enamored. They were just like in awe to see such bright lights on the screen being projected and even more startled when they saw the images. And as the missionary spoke about the story of Jesus to them, they sat in silence. Anybody ever seen Passion of the Christ? That's how I sat through that movie, just completely memorized, couldn't say a word. And that's what's going on here in this story. And when the crucifixion scene showed up on the screen, it said that one man jumped up and he ran to the sheet and he shouted, come down from there, son of God. That's my place. And as we think about our lives, you see, the Bible tells us that when we continue to sin in our life, we continue to crucify him over and over again. And the story breaks my heart because I feel like there's so many times throughout my walk that I've put Jesus back on the cross because it's been an inconvenience for me to follow. Or it's been too difficult to follow. And today my heart is breaking and I'm saying, Jesus, come off that cross. That's my place today. You completed the work once and for all. You don't have to hang there anymore. bottom line is, is he hung there for you, to give you a story, to change your life. See, the Bible says in Revelation that we are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. I don't know how to tell people about Jesus, Pastor Ron. You know what? I've been doing this 20 years. I don't either. You know what I know how to tell him about? I know how to tell him about my story. I know how to tell him about what he did for me. I know how to tell him that the power of Jesus is real because if it wasn't for him, I would be dead, locked up forever or something. 
And so if you're here this morning and you need the power of Jesus, you need the resurrected power of Jesus Christ in your life, you need Jesus in your life, I want you just to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to bow your Come on, show me your hands if you need Jesus. Come on, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I'm not going to be able to count all these. It doesn't matter. He's got the count. The Lord has the record in heaven, amen? Praise God. Let's stand to our feet, can we? pray this as a family for the many. I'll tell you, church, if, if you were up front and not looking around, there's at least 20 hands that I saw go up. 20 people making a decision to follow Jesus today. Many of you, maybe for the very first time, welcome to the family of God. Welcome. And we're going to pray a prayer right now. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you're saved. That's as simple as it is. We don't have to take another offering. We don't need a goat from you. We would ask if you raised your hand today and you've never been baptized in water that you take that step today because the water's wet. I Actually, I said to make it extra wet today. And it's a beautiful day. Pray this with me. I confess with my mouth. And I believe with my heart that you are Lord. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a testimony. Free me from my worst addictions. Free me from my worst fears. Free me from my depression. Give me peace, hope, joy, unspeakable and full of glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give him praise. Come on, let's give him praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good.